0: You hear all those dumb submission jokes. You heard a husband who said, yeah, I got the last word. I have the last word in the house. I definitely have the last word in the house. Yes, dear. Whatever she says. Or well, the other dumb one, when God came to Adam, you heard this one. And said, I'm going to make you a woman. She's going to be the best thing in the world. She's going to listen to every single word you say. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, she will follow you. But it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. (laughs) He goes, what can I get for a rib? (laughs) Should I go on? (laughs) Probably not. We'd be in big trouble here. If you ever go to Argentina, and if you don't get to go in this life, you will in the next, because it's the it's promised land. And if you ever get to go there and be a part of, of Argentina and the exciting thing there, you have to go to Don Silvano. It's a, it's a ranch that teaches you all about Argentina and we like to bring Americans there when they come down to visit us. I mean, what other place can you go to? You go into the place and they start you off with an empanada with food. You ain't scaring me.
1: Yeah, uh, anyway, This
0: is fun stuff. And and they go in there and they feed you this stuff. And you start eating this empanadas, these Argentine, beautiful empanadas. And then after that, they teach you about the mate, the drink that they drink there. It really looks like they're smoking marijuana, but it's not. It's They're, they're drinking this stuff, mate. It's good stuff if you put like a pound of sugar in it. I love it. And then, um, and then after you drink the mate, they teach you about the ga- gauchos and the horseback riding. And uh, they have a little thing where they go with this pencil or something really small in their hand and they catch this ring, just like a ring that they ask you to get the ring and they put it in there and then you have to kiss the horse. You know, it's kind of a fun. And then you ride horses. That's that's not fun. But anyway, um, that's the part. And lunch comes. Yeah, you know, I mean, you have eaten all day. I mean, you're eating like crazy, you know, and then, and then you get the lunch. And I love lunch. Because lunch, they have the Argentine barbecue and not hot hamburgers and hot dogs like we do here in the States. They have the real meat. They pull it all out. And I mean, they got everything going there and the bread and the drinks and all this. And they break you down into nationalities. And they have the North Americans sit here. Chinese people sit here. Whoever country they're from that happen to be visiting, they separate them by tables. Well, one time we were there, we were sitting next to a Chinese family. The Chinese family was fascinated, not by Argentines, but by us. They couldn't believe these Americans that were next to them. What are you shocked about? I mean, I fascinated. I mean, they were fascinated by our family. They were taking pictures of our family. Look, look, Americans, and they were taking pictures of us and pictures of and Johnny, they were in love with Johnny. This little blonde American, you know, beautiful and handsome like his father. And, you know, and all this stuff here. I mean, they couldn't get past Johnny. And so what they do is they start teaching you the tango. Anybody know how to do the tango? Let me show you a little bit. (laughs) So when you come to the tango, right... (laughs) <laughs> what? What are you worried about? <laughs> you have a leader and you have a follower, right? I mean, this isn't hard, right? And and the tango, you have to have, you know, the leader takes the lead. Well, I'm not going to do the tango. You got to get all worried, are yeah, you? Yeah. But the leader takes the lead. The follower knows every move that they're making. I mean, to throw them between the legs, to get him up, to get him going. And so they're doing the tango, and they're moving all around. And this thing is not following me good, but this thing gets all the tango. And he's got his leg up and down, and he'll moving all around. And then they, all of a sudden, they say to you guys, start doing the tango. Who Everyone's sitting there. And we're not going to get up and do it. We're not going to make fools of ourselves and do the tango. And we look, and Johnny's missing. <laughs> one of the Chinese ladies grabs him and is doing a tango with Johnny. I mean, I was ready to die. I'm like, what did he do with my own son? My son's up there. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. I mean, it was incredible. I was, uh, <laughs> couldn't even talk to him. They didn't understand me, but they loved Johnny. I mean, it was just beautiful. I used to tell people, it takes two to tango. So whenever there's problems in a marriage or in a relationship, I would say, you know what? It takes two to tango. You have a problem. They have a problem. You're the reason for the problem. They're part of the reason, but the... it takes two to tango. But did you know in the Bible, it doesn't take two to tango? It takes three to tango. That's right. It takes somebody to lead. It takes somebody to follow. And it takes the Holy Spirit to control them both. Amen. Yes. <clears throat> We miss that part. We're trying to tango without the Spirit of God. And we're trying to make relationships work without the Spirit of God. And we read books and we listen to sermons and we hear all these things. But we're trying to do it without the Spirit of God. And we fail. It takes three to tango. In fact, as we think of this this passage here, and we talked last week, when somebody is spirit-controlled and spirit-filled, they're going to sing, they're going to say thanks, and they're going to submit. But that's a personal thing. But really, if you want to measure somebody who is spirit-controlled, they're going to have their relationships in order. When the Spirit of God controls somebody, it's going to affect The relationships with others. You say, what kind of relationships? Well, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about it. He's going to talk about a spirit-filled life. It's going to impact relationships between husbands and wives. It's going to impact relationships between parents and children. It takes three to tango there, too. Mm -hmm. Read all the parent books you want. Without the Spirit of God controlling the parent, we're in trouble. And without the Spirit of God controlling the child, we're in trouble. We need both. We need parents and children, and we're going to talk about employers and employees. How do we do it in work? You know, some people say, my boss is this, my boss does that, my boss does this, my boss. We need the Spirit of God inside of us to submit to our bosses. And bosses need the Spirit of God inside of them to submit to their employees and to treat them the way God wants them to treat. So we're going to see this all as this folds out here. But a Spirit-filled life will affect our relationships. It's not about 50-50. It's not about 100-100. It's about Spirit controlling our lives and changing our relationships. And so he picks on the wives first. Isn't that great? I mean, that's wonderful. I love how Paul writes. He goes right after the wife, amen. I mean, we could just relax here today. We have to think about nothing, huh? one amen here, huh? I'm getting in trouble here. It's getting hot. It got really hot. A lot of looks here. Going to get in big trouble here. But really, when you look at it, he's not just picking on. But look what he starts here. He's going to give a little word to the wives. Look at this here. He starts in verse 22. He says, Wives. Interesting enough that he doesn't characterize and say spiritual wives or godly wives or wives that are controlled by the spirit. He says wives in general. And he uses the word husbands in general. So here's what he's saying. It's not about whether they're qualified or they have a great character or if they got their act together, whether or not we need to obey this. Here's what's interesting about this. There are some husbands that are easy to follow. Not one amen. And there are other ones that are not so easy to follow. There are other ones that are all over the map. And they want to do this, and they want to do that, and they want to do this. And the wife's like, oh, I got to follow that. And there are other ones who got their act together. They think things through. They pray about things. They do all that. I wish I knew them, but, you know, they got all their act together. And the wife's like, oh, I can follow that. That's easy. He doesn't say follow the easy ones. He doesn't say follow the spiritual ones. He puts them all in a category. Wives, all wives, follow all who? Husbands. Wow. Think about that for a moment as we get into this. He says, be subject. Interesting enough in verse 22, the verb is not there. He's following verse 21. When he talks about mutual submission to one another, we need to mutually submit to one another. Submission is about surrendering our will to the will of another and following that person or putting ourselves under their authority. It's mutual in verse 21. And now, but in the marriage relationship, he's going to say there's a leader and there's a follower. The wife is the follower. The husband, as we're going to see here in a moment, is a leader. Now, he's not talking about one is more spiritual than the other, because we know in many of our cases, in many, and probably most, if not all, the wife is more spiritual than the husband. Amen? And many of the cases, or if not all, they're more intelligent than us. Don't ask me what she got on her ACT and what I got on my ACT. All right? We don't want to go down that. So it's not talking about somebody who's more intelligent or somebody who's more spiritual. He's the leader. No, these are God-given roles. And he's saying, follow the leader. Now, this is interesting. The word there, when we talk about submission, let me tell you a little bit about it. It is voluntary. This is not something forced. The husband should never play the submission card. The moment the husband has to say, hey, hey, by the way, I'm the leader. Did you hear, Pastor, last week? Submit! (laughs) He's in big trouble. In fact, I was talking to one pastor. He says, you know what? In all my marriage, he said, I've only played the submission card once in my life. I said, you know how many times I've played it? Zero. The moment you got to play the submission card, you've missed what submission's about. (laughs) We don't force this. This is an act of the will. But yet, in some cultures... Some cultures, this is forced. In some cultures, this is beat upon, and they they make you do it. That's not what the Bible talks about. So don't think that submission is something that we have to enforce on somebody. This is a act of the will, act of the heart, the voluntary follow the leader. Notice the next thing. It's selective. It has limits. I can never say to Katie, come on, we're going to go rob a bank. Let's go. Come on, Katie, we're going to go beat our neighbors up. Let's go. Come on, Katie, we're going to go sin. Nope. I can never lead her into sin. It's selective. And you know what else is selective? It says in the very text, Wives, what? Be subject to your, whose husbands? Own husbands. Be careful with this one, because you can't go to work, you have a woman boss and say, I'm the leader, I'm the man. Submit to me. No, wives to your own husband, own husband. And then it says this, it's godly, as to the Lord we do this. Why, why, why do we submit, why do we, why do we want to follow the leadership? It's not because he's a great leader. It's not because he's a great spiritual man. It's not because he makes all the right decisions, because I'm here to tell you, he won't. It's because <laughs> we'll have testimony time later if you want to get up and <laughs> where was I? Anyway, <laughs> Why? it's because she wants to please God. That's right. And no matter how unspiritual and dumb a decision he may make. You want to please the Lord as to the Lord. And so it's godly. But I haven't convinced you, have I? Someone's saying, "Ah, I don't do this submission thing. I don't like this stuff. I, I need to know why I need to do it. I, I, I want a why. You know, I mean, you tell me, yeah, I do. It's so like, please God. Yeah, so what? You know, it's voluntary. I got to do it. So I, But you don't know the guy I'm married to. You don't understand my situation. You don't know what's going on. You don't know the decisions that he has made. I mean, come on. You don't know the attitude that he has. now. You don't know how he talks to me. You don't know how he treats me. Give me a reason why I should ever obey any of this. Well, he's going to tell you. Right here in the text. I don't even have to make it up. It's right here. He's going to bring it. And it's beautiful. The reason why this is. And it, 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 it amaze you as you read through this. He's going to say why you should do this. Here it is. He says it right here, right here in the passage. The first thing for what? The husband is the what? The head of the wife. You say, wait a minute, what does that mean? You know, and it's all different things about headship and what what that means. You know, does it mean that he's the authority and he's the dominating one and he's, he's the one that makes all decisions? No, that's not what it's saying. If you study the word head out in the Bible and headship out, it is interesting what you're going to learn. First thing you're going to learn about biblical headship is leaders' heads go first. Which means godly leadership is servant leadership. Men are role models in the home. They can't expect anything of the wife without them doing it first. They are the lead Read your Bible. I better be reading my Bible. Love the kids. I better be loving the kids. It is servant leadership. It is going before them and showing them the way. Heads go first. That's a little scary, isn't it? I remember one time we were in a a house together and uh, we heard this noise like somebody breaking in. And Katie goes, there's a noise up there. I said, okay, well, go find out what it is. I'll wait for you right here. Heads go what? First. You want to be the head of the home? Get ready to lead the home. It's godly headship. It's servant leadership. Look how Jesus led us. It says here in Mark 10, 44 to 45, it says, whoever wishes to be first among you, to be what? The slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So if in a minute we think, oh, I'm the head of the home. I'm the head of the home. I got to no, know the head of the home means you're the role model. We're the ones that go first. We're the ones that show how it is done. That's that's a lot. You want to be the head? And then the other one, look at this heads take responsibility Husbands are responsible to provide, to protect, to love, and to lead. Now that is scary. Because here's here's what I find out. The, to, to protect, we get that one pretty good. At least some of you guys do. You got 50 guns in the house. Anybody comes near, you shoot them down and blow them up. But mess with me, I'll protect my wife. You want look at my wife, I'll knock you up. Look at my wife, look what I got right here. I'll blow your brain. And they get here to (laughs) protect. Then you ask them, can you open up a Bible and show them a Bible verse on how to live their life? Well, that I don't know. Yeah, 80 guns. Understand the scriptures. We provide, we protect, we love, and we lead. And lead spiritually. And here's, here's where this is, this is, this is amazing. The spiritual and emotional well-being of the family falls on the head. That is tremendous. I remember asking my brother-in-law Josh when we were selling a house, what should we do? And his, his response, godly response, you got to do what's best for your family. Your family. Think of your family. Lead your family. I'm like, wow, I didn't want to hear that. Bye. Yeah, and lead your family. Because that's what we are. The head, the emotional. So if they're emotionally out of whack, who does it fall on? Ah, they'll just get their act together. No, it falls on us to lead that. If they're spiritually out of whack, who does it fall on? It falls on us to lead that. Not just say, they'll get it. Get, it, get it. Look at this verse here in, in, in 1 Samuel 3.13. When Eli with his sons, he says, For I told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity of... Which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves and look what Eli did. He did not rebuke them. He did not What? Lead them. He did not spiritually involve himself in their lives. It falls on the head of the home. Wow. And so, let me ask you a question: Who's the boss? You guys are sitting there silent. Was, you know, that was one of my favorite shows growing up. I love. I mean, how can you not like? Who's the boss? And Italians in it. Amen. <laughs> And he looks a lot like me. Tony Danza. You know what I mean? It's not one person. Not one amen, anyway. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, I think about how he lived his life. He was a baseball player and, and he got hurt and, and so he had to move in now and, and with a lady take his child out of Brooklyn to give her a better life. And really, if you know the show, who's the boss? Are you ready for this? It was all about role reversals. It was all about showing the world that a woman does not need a leader. It's all about showing the world that a man, instead of being a leader, can be a follower, and that's his God-given role. In fact, did you know this about the show? They never got married. Do you know why they never got married even though they fell in love with each other at the end? I mean, how can you not with Tony Dance? I mean, he's a... you 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 know why they never got married? Because they did not want to give the impression... Of what marriage is really about. And that's what the world tells you. You don't need a leader. Do it yourself. You can handle it without him. Look at all the bad decisions he makes. You're smarter than him. You're more spiritual than he is. Lead your home. Now, I admit, there are times when the husband is deployed and there's things when the wife does have to become the leader for that moment. But here's what's hard. He comes back and all of a sudden she's got to go back in that other role of a follower and that is hard. Because she's been leading and now she's got to follow somebody who doesn't know as much as she does. Quote unquote. So who is the boss? There's a clear role reversal. But yet God tells us right there, the man is the head of the home. And you say, how is he the head of the home? Watch this. Christ is the role model of this. The reason why a woman follows in a home because her husband is the head. But look at this. Christ is the supreme model of submission. As Christ who also is the head of the church. What does that mean? Well, he's the authority. Obviously, he's the authority. It means we submit to him. We follow Christ. But as the head of the home, uh, head of the church, look what it says here in verse 23. He being the Savior of the body. I love that. Christ, who gave up his will, left glory, came down on this earth, took the form of a man, and if that isn't enough, a form of a servant, who got beat and spit upon, Who went into the garden and he said these wonderful words, not my will, but yours. And he died on the cross for the church. He is the perfect provider. He is the perfect protector. He is the perfect lover. He is the perfect leader. And he is the one saying, he is the head. And as we submit to him and show that we will follow him, we give him the authority that he deserves. You say, why should he? Well, the husband's the head, but so is Christ. And look what Christ did. He gave his life for the church. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. But what is true biblical leadership? It's giving our lives. It's sacrificing our desires and giving our lives for others. He's saying he's the savior of the body. You ever, you ever wonder when the leadership hits a sweet spot in the church? Like how do we know it's God's will for a building or not? Ready for this? When we hit the sweet spot, it's when God wants it, when the leadership wants it, and when the people want it. And not that we're in this kind of order. But when God wants it, leadership wants it, and the people want it. There are times when people want something, but God doesn't want it. Watch out. There are times when the leadership wants something, but God doesn't want it. Watch out. There are times when God and the leadership want it, but the people don't want it. Watch out. There's times when the people and God want it, but the leadership don't want it. Watch out. But when all three want it, we hit the sweet spot. And that's a wonderful place to be. And he is the savior of the body. He gave, he's the perfect model of submission, of giving up his will. But look at this last thing here. This is amazing. You say, why am I going to submit to somebody who makes decisions like this and does all these things? Look at this here. Because wives give a picture of the church to the world. Look at this here. I want to show you something. It says here in the next verse, in verse 24, but as the church is subject to Christ. He says, wives be submissive to your husbands. Why? As the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives to their husbands. In how many things? Only one person's amen in that one. And how many things? You don't get to pick and choose here. This is not little, oh, okay, I'll follow him in this. I'll let him do this, but up to here. That's it. Now I'm, I'm taking charge. No, in everything. Why? Because this is a picture to the world of how church really is. The church is subject to Christ in how many things? In everything. We follow Christ, He's the leader. We follow Christ. He provides, he protects, he loves, he leads. We submit to us. Now, as a wife is doing that to her husband, guess what she's doing? She's showing the world what church is really about. We moved to Argentina. And let me tell you a little bit about Argentina. Argentina, the women rule and the men rule. And this was amazing. I didn't know this. If a woman got saved in Argentina, she can come to church. But if a man got saved, he had to ask his wife permission to get there. So oftentimes you'd want to lead the wife to Christ because then the husband can come. Because if he led the male to Christ, guess what? He couldn't come unless the wife said yes. It was amazing. Never lived in a culture like that. So all of a sudden here we are and here we come. And here's Katie with her sweet spirit. And she follows the salami who makes decisions that always aren't great. And the Argentine women are like, what's wrong with this lady? She follows her husband. She loves her husband. She allows him to lead. This is incredible. And you know what she was doing without even saying it to the world? She was saying to them, this is how church functions. We follow Jesus Christ. Praise God, he's the perfect leader, not like my husband. But we follow him. And she was showing to the world what a wonderful testimony the church is about. And do you understand this? Wives, as part of the church, submit to Christ. They should also submit to those who God has brought into their lives. You say, how does this work in a practical world? Listen to this. Dr. Grudem. one One of my favorite systematic theology books, Grudem's book, it's about like that big. All right, now I don't read it cover to cover, but I just read parts of it when I want to go to it, and very devotional. He'll come out with hymns in it, and it's good. I'll be reading it. Your heart's on fire, and all that. And he's a really exciting. Guy's got some weird beliefs, but he's really great. He's a great theologian. Well, his wife was very, very sick. She had problem with her bones and problem with that, and they were living in Chicago, not the best places to be at when you have that cold, humidity, and all that. And she was struggling. For 20 years, she could hardly walk. She couldn't go up the stairs and all that. And for some reason, they went to go visit Phoenix. And when they go to Phoenix, she realizes, hey, this is beautiful. The dry climate, it's warm. She can actually start riding bikes. So he thought to himself, you know what? We need to move to Phoenix. I need to be in a place where my wife can be better. You know what his wife says? No, no. God's using you here in Chicago. We're staying here in Chicago. And so, here he is in a dilemma. He wants to move to Phoenix because he loves his wife. He wants to stay in Chicago because he loves his wife. What do you do? So here's what he does. He reaches out there They make a few trips. He shows his wife the, places, the place where he goes. A seminary offers him a job and says, you will work less hours here in Phoenix if you come. His wife says to him, he said, if, if I was suffering like her, would I not want to move for the sake of my health? And the answer was yes. Finally, when this, the, the seminary told him that Mrs. Grudem said this, you know what? I'm going to trust you to make the decision. What do you want to do? And then she told her husband, I'll do whatever you do. And so... He made the decision, moved to Phoenix And he took his wife That's how you lead You don't just come home one day and say Honey, look what I bought Guess what? Here it is Well, honey I know you like it here We're going to Mexico It's nice and warm there, got beaches and everything like that You don't get a say in it I don't care what you think I'm the leader, I'm the head, let's go It's not how it's done. You pray, you ask for advice, you listen, you wait, and then Katie knows this in our marriage. When she just gives me the little, little bit of okay, I'm on it. (laughs) I can't wait for that. She knows, she's scared to give me the little bit of, because she knows it. Little bit of okay, I'm jumping on. This is it, we're going for it. You're like, oh, all right, wait a minute. So she shows the her excitement. She's very good. Nineteen years with me. She knows how to do this. She's very good. She just hides the excitement. She sees something. She knows I'm all well pumped. I'm ready to roll. This is it. This is God's will. We got to do it. She's just sitting there. And then she says, "Well, maybe this is God's will. We're on it. Let's go. <laughs> We're ready to roll." It happened with houses. We are looking around and said, you know what, maybe we should move. Nah, we I don't know, we are fine where we are, okay. Yeah, nah, let's go. Let's let's just look. Can we just look? I asked her, can we just look? Okay, let's look. We looked around, we kept coming back, thank God for our own house. We're thankful. We're we're okay here. We don't need to move anywhere. We're fine. And then the realtor says, Hey, there's a house over here. You want to go look at it. She says, Come on, Katie, let's look. We'll bring a couple of the kids with us. Let's go look. We went, we came back, she goes, Yeah, that's a nice one. We're putting an offer. Yeah, there we go. That's it, we're on it! it We've prayed about it, we've talked about it, she's okay with it. I'm running and jumping with it. But at the end of the day, she knows, and she says, Jeremy, I trust you' here to say, that is hard. I feel so unqualified for that, And that's why we need the spirit of God to control us. And she needs a lot of the Spirit of God to follow. He doesn't just say, wives, get your act together. He says, wives, understand that when the Spirit of God fills you, you're going to follow your husband because God, in His wisdom, has put him as the leader of the home and Christ is the perfect example of that and not only that, you're going to give a great testimony of what church is really about to a dying world. Won't you want to submit to Him and show Him? Because... Christ gave his life for the church. Now, I'm just getting warmed up here. And here's what I love about this. I'm not preaching for the next couple of weeks on this. So husbands, you can do what you want. (laughs) September 12th is when I'm going to come back to this text again. Isn't that great? I love this. I love how Paul picked on them, and now we're having a special speaker, and I can wait. Then it's, then it's Labor Day weekend. I'm doing a psalm, and then we'll come back to this. So you got three weeks to get your live stream. No, I'm kidding. Around. Oh, what's that, Katie? Okay, we'll end right now. Thank you very much. And let's pray and thank the Lord for this time. Our Heavenly Father, as we make light of a really serious topic. We look at the world that we live in right now and we are seeing amazing things. Homes destroyed. Because there's no leaders. And when there are leaders, there's no followers. God, this, this text is not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody. It's telling us about what a true home looks like between a husband and a wife. And God, it's a great picture of the church, how we submit to you. You're the leader. You're the lover. And you're the one that we come to for protection and provision, for love and for leadership. So God, I pray for each husband here today that you would help him, help us, Lord, to understand what a great responsibility you've placed upon us. Help us to take this seriously, that we're not only physical protectors, but we're spiritual protectors of the home as well. That we are to spiritually help those that you've entrusted into our care and then take responsibility when it's not happening instead of playing the blame game. And then, Lord, I pray for each wife that your spirit would fill each wife and help her, Lord, to follow the leadership of her husband. No matter how flawed it is, she does it unto the Lord. She wants to please you. She does it because that's her God-given function and role. And she does it because it's a testimony of what church is really like. So help us, O oh Lord, to show a dying world how precious your church is. And thank you for picking marriage to do it. We love you and praise you and thank you. and want to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.